Hello, everyone. Welcome to MD Talk. I'm your host, LaQuinta Jernigan. For those of you who may not know this, um, this month on the 19th, we celebrate Certified Nurses Day. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to sit down and talk to our very own Stephanie Katz, director of MD Group's sister company, Seacole Health. Seacole Health is a talent agency for healthcare and research professionals looking for flexible, and rewarding opportunities to work in patient healthcare and clinical studies worldwide. Seacole's nurses and healthcare professionals deliver remarkable patient experiences for traditional, decentralized, and hybrid clinical trials. Stephanie is a registered nurse who came to us in 2021, and before this, she worked at Johns Hopkins Hospital, where she started as a nurse clinician before working her way up to become a research nurse manager. In today's episode with Steph, we are going to discuss how burnout affects healthcare professionals, explore why nurses are interested in moving into agency work, and discuss how agencies can best support and care for their team to ensure their well-being. Steph, welcome to MD Talk. Thank you for the introduction. I'm pleased to be here. Uh, I am a licensed RN in the United States. I have 17 years of experience in the field. And it became clear while setting up and running the COVID-19 clinical research units in Johns Hopkins that staffing for clinical trials would require more flexible thinking than traditional permanent staff hiring models. When MD Group offered me the role of director of Seacole Health and asked me to build this staffing agency for clinical trials, I welcomed the opportunity to help MD Group navigate this new frontier. Staffing agencies are nothing new in nursing, but using them for clinical trials is a novel approach to resourcing. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you today, Steph. Um, I had the pleasure of crossing your path before you came to MD Group um, and working on some of those studies and was just absolutely um, overfilled with joy when you joined us. Um, it's such a wonderful experience to be able to work alongside you. Um, your passion for patients and for nurses is just stellar. And we're very fortunate to have you on today's episode. Thank you. So let's, let's dive into our discussion. So Mental Health America reported in 2022 that 81% of healthcare workers experience exhaustion or burnout. And this has been a very popular topic, especially in light of the pandemic um, and the, um, the strain that that put on the healthcare system and workers. What do you believe are some of the common reasons for this? Um, it, it can be pandemic related, but outside of that, what causes this level of burnout? That's a great question and something that a lot of employers and people working in resourcing have really been struggling with, even pre-pandemic, uh, particularly around the aging of the nursing workforce. But there are many other factors as well. And when speaking with a lot of my nurse colleagues and friends uh, in preparation for this podcast, that was th this, the, the question that got the most sort of, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so burned out with this, <laughs> was this one, because they are just exhausted from being asked to do more with less. And it's definitely worsened since the COVID-19 pandemic, when net many nursing and allied health professionals just left the field entirely. And this compounded the pre-existing problem, as I mentioned, of the aging of, of the workforce, which has been, a, you know, it's been a known issue that was coming up over the past 10 plus years, but there's really not been sufficient uh, influx of new, new nurses coming into the field 
who've actually stuck around long enough to make any significant changes with with that that problem. In addition, healthcare facilities are stretched with the, to the absolute limit with health crises that there are insufficient community resources to manage right now, and and that does seem to be a post-pandemic sort of issue. One of my friends who's still at the bedside reported that in pediatrics, there's an increasing number of mental health emergencies that are being managed on medical floors like hers because there are just no psychiatric beds available, leading to the requirement for one-on-one sitters, which are there not enough of, and intensive utilization of staff nursing time to keep patients safe when their patient ratios have not changed. So the level of acuity and intensity uh, as as well as needing to do other types of non-nursing activities like housekeeping, patient transport, nutrition, social work, phlebotomy, and all kinds of other ancillary services with no aids to help has really just pushed nurses and other allied health professionals to the, the breaking point. And they're looking for ways to find more value in their career besides having to do so much with so little. Also, experienced nurses are being called upon not just to conduct patient care, but in an effort to try to replace some of that missing workforce. Uh, There's an influx of new nursing students and new graduates, so they're having to precept those individuals who are, they're helping to fill some of that shortage, but they lack that clinical experience and judgment to function independently, which then, of course, puts more burden on those few seasoned nurses who have managed to, to stick around on the units. So people are, are tired and, and they're looking for, for other options to stay in nursing. I mean, that, that sounds exhausting, just listening to all of the reasons of burnout. I mean, how can that be addressed, I guess, before we move to, you know, the other options that exist for nurses, like agency work. What are some of your thoughts on how the the burnout and some of the situations that you just described can even be addressed? Well, I think something that that nurses are are being asked to do for themselves is to help um, is to work on their own boundary setting, which has been traditionally something that a lot of nurses struggle with, and that's something. It's a character trait that that attracts people to nursing, that desire to give and to be present and to to be a part of the team is what makes a nurse such an excellent nurse. But on, on the flip side of that, it is what can allow those boundaries between work and life to really be pushed and, and allow people to continue to say yes to, to adding things to their job description that really you know, make it uh, unsafe and unrewarding for them to continue doing it. And then they just end up leaving the profession. So nurses are uh, are being asked, you know, both from their employers as well as you know, people who've sought out mental health care for themselves, to to try to be a little bit more circumspect around what their limits are, and to 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 really begin to communicate that as as well as they can to management. However, there are limitations to that, right? Because no matter what you communicate to your upper level management, if that hospital system that you're in just does not have enough human beings to do those other roles, for example, then everything's going to roll downhill to the nurse who carries that professional license and is under an ethical and, and professional obligation to do everything they can for their patient while they're there. So it's 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 putting people in a really tough position of, Hey, advocate for yourself, but also we still can't give you what you need to be 
effective and safe. Yeah, that's a really tough spot to be. And I know that, you know, there's a growing percentage of registered nurses who say that they've thought about leaving their current role. Um, From your experience, what other reasons other than burnout, or maybe that is the leading reason um, that have agency nurses that you've spoken to left their roles to go work agency side? Yeah. So as I said, you know, most nurses by nature entered the field to care and, and serve others. And when you work in a physically demanding job that carries few personal rewards and little hope for improvement, it can make even the most dedicated person rethink their work environment. And the feeling among many nurses I've spoken with is that their jobs have become purely transactional. So they feel as if they're seen as these faceless resources to be allocated in a massive health system-wide grid with an effort to just squeeze as much productivity out of them with as little support as possible. And that's not how it used to be. I mean, you used to dedicate yourself to a unit and, you know, maybe you, you, you went around a little bit to try to find your home. But once you found your home, I mean, you stayed there and you climbed the ladder and you dedicated yourself to that patient population. And that's, that's how things were when I entered the workforce, which, you know, was 17 years ago. It's not that long ago in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but the, so, but that idea is really being undercut by this, this mentality of actually you're a resource and we're, we're, you know, we're just, we're, we're trying to accomplish as much as we can in your work time as possible. So nurses are then thinking, okay, you know, if you are going to view me in this transactional way, then I'm going to think of myself in a more utilitarian sense. And I'm going to think about how can I maximize my income and minimize the stress of, of being in a, in a place like this, that's, that's, uh, you know, a permanent staff member in a healthcare system. Um, and, there is some some freedom to that, to really thinking of yourself the same way your employer is thinking of you, if they're thinking of you in that way. Okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna you you're gonna view me as a person in that in that way. I'm going to get up and and I'm gonna be a traveler. I'm gonna do agency. I'm going to cobble together uh, some type of meaning and and income for myself in a way that doesn't just drive me to the absolute limit of my mental capacity. And I guess, I mean, that all makes sense to me. So having that that autonomy, having more control of your your work-life balance or being able to achieve some sort of balance, um, you know, sounds like that though that could be one benefit of working with an agency um, as a nurse. Um, but what are some of the other benefits that nurses have in joining an agency? And then at the same time, what are some of the benefits that sites get from working with an agency as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So something that we're seeing, it, um, the nurses who are coming to us in Seacole, we're seeing a lot of nurses approaching retirement age who are seeking a way to keep their clinical skills active without dealing with the constant stressors that we just talked about and uh, with more flexibility to pursue other life interests. So this idea of, oh, you know, I can actually still be a nurse, I can still see patients, I can still make a difference, but I, you know, I can do it on my own terms. I can do it in a way that makes sense for me and allows me to pursue 
family, you know, family obligations or other sources of of joy and and f- fulfillment as a human being is is a real benefit for nurses. In addition, you know, they can see the benefit of agency employment by taking greater ownership over the way that their time is is allocated so they can choose their opportunities, they can evaluate with all the data they have the marginal benefit of each assignment versus working in the same place over a longer period of time, which can make it difficult to transition to new opportunities. So it allows them to say, okay, you know, I've, as opposed to, okay, I've been on this unit for 20 years and, you know, sort of a sunk cost fallacy of, I guess I'm never going to leave. You can now think of yourself as, oh, you know, I actually, I had a little bit of an interest in trying, um, PACU nursing. And okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to try it and I'm going to do it for a 12-week assignment. And if it's terrible, <laughs> it's not for me, then it's done at 12 weeks and and that's over. And I know that about myself, or maybe they choose to move, move to a permanent position in, in whatever area that they found really sparked their interest. Now, sites can benefit from agency nursing, and, and they already are to a large extent because of the nursing shortage around, around the world, honestly. Um, but it gives them the ability to more flexibly resource their variable needs without bearing the overhead costs of maintaining a larger permanent workforce. So agency nurses can work PRN, which means as needed, or they can work part or full time for limited durations to support periods of more intensive site activity. So we offer a number of resourcing options for sites and clients based on the unique needs of each project and site, whether they need somebody to come in in a very variable way week by week, or they need somebody for, you know, intensive periods of time uh, for a more shorter duration. And we certainly saw a lot of that the past three years um, where, you know, hospitals were reaching out to agencies for those more long-term contracts of several months just to fill gaps in the workplace. And so I definitely don't think that that's, prob- that's going anywhere anytime soon, especially considering current trends around, around nurses. So let's move to the clinical trial side of things. What does, what does all of this mean, all of this being agency nursing um, in the clinical trials industry? And for someone who is specifically interested in clinical trial agency nursing, how do you approach that as a career path? So most nurses don't know clinical trials nursing even exists. It's, it's not a career path that's well known to nurses, even the experienced ones. And that's especially true in the mobile health setting. Some people may be aware of research nurses being you know, nurses who are working on clinical trials in their hospital a lot of the nurses that we come across who apply in for our roles in sequel health are people who may have been aware that research nursing was a thing, that maybe they're, they had a patient on, a, on the floor one time who was getting an investigational drug and some random nurse came over and gave them a bunch of weird tubes to draw one day. And that was, that's been their only interaction with, with clinical trials nursing. And, um, and it's, it's an interesting entry point because um, for those nurses who do choose to expand their capabilities and who possess those independent skills and a strong sense of detail-orientedness, taking this leap into clinical trials agency work is a logical and exciting step. And a lot of the nurses who apply into us don't really understand what it is that they're 
applying into at first until we we talk more about what it is and uh and we do uh, intensive training with those nurses to help bridge them into this this field and most of them exit that feeling really excited about the opportunity to um to practice in an entirely different way research practice and clinical practice differ in some really key ways um, but we hold our nurses' hands through training and we support them as they understand those differences. And they feel a sense of accomplishment when they complete their source data forms and you know, send their lab samples. And it, it, it allows them to grow in a way that they had never even envisioned was possible. You, you think, oh, okay, which floor am I going to be on as a nurse? Well, actually, no. You can, you can have a direct impact on every other patient who comes after the one you saw just by effectively completing this, this clinical trial visit. It, it takes a willingness to be uncomfortable at first, but our team has been turning clinical staff into research staff for a few years now, and we know how to do this well. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said about kind of sparking this interest early on, you know, because, I mean, we talked, you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's there's limits to the amounts of nurses coming into the workforce right now um, where that population is declining. Um, and I know that, you know, we're trying to do for younger, for students that are in high school and in middle school, there's a lot of um, awareness about different career paths that you can take and, and science and things of that nature. But I don't think that we do enough work of, of talking to kids and teens about clinical research and the different career paths that you can have to participate and conduct research. Because to your point, if, if you're someone who's interested in a nursing career, but you have that, that um, desire to, to conduct research, to do more, um, you know, to be on the clinical side, to touch patients in a different way, this could be a great avenue and a great career path. And there's just not a lot of awareness about, I think in general, about all the different career paths within clinical research. So it's something that it needs more attention um, earlier on in, in life, I feel. I, I agree. I, I think people, people understand clinical research as being under the umbrella of life sciences. And people who are aiming to go into healthcare may not even, you know, if you're thinking about, about this as sort of like a, a career fair, you might skip the life sciences entirely. You're thinking, I'm going to go into nursing. And I'm not going to go over to those those sections, but but actually, there's a, a huge. I mean, obviously, clinical trials are part of health sciences, right? But people don't really understand it in that way. And I agree, there's a lot more that could be done to to spark that that enthusiasm because there's there's a lot of people out there who could really enjoy this new type of practice. I agree. I agree. So, Steph, what what can we all do differently to really improve the experiences of healthcare professionals working in the clinical trial industry, because we all play a part in creating spaces where well-being is promoted and where people can, can, can thrive. So what can we do to help? So what, what we've done it, in CCOL and, and working with MD Group is really ensuring that we offer strong onboarding and intensive visit support to our healthcare professionals. So by 
providing that that support and scaffolding, particularly early on as these nurses are doing this work for the very first time and the nurses we bring in, they want to be successful. They're, they're driven to help our patients and they just need enough one-on-one intensive support to help them feel successful so that they're not, not worried about everything that they're doing. Uh, and but by providing that, that sort of scaffolding, we've managed to maintain a stable contractor workforce in Sequel Health, which is remarkable in this industry. We have small group initial training sessions for all our new onboarders where we talk about the value of what we do as clinical trials nurses and how to make our values come to life in practical ways when seeing participants. And that, as I mentioned before, gets people excited about, I can really have, have this, this broader impact. And doing this work is not, it's not the same as any other home health assignment. There are additional challenges but also additional professional rewards in knowing that every visit that they do with us carries these ripple effects in impact beyond just that one visit that they're doing. And we, we train them to deeply understand that every single patient with that condition that comes after is, is affected by the work that we do. And that, that speaks to, to healthcare professionals. They want to make a difference. They want their work to have value to them, both monetarily as well as, as professionally and, and uh, emotionally. And so in, in viewing our healthcare professionals as, as you know, whole people who we treat with respect and dignity and give them what they need to be successful, then they're, they you know, rise themselves up to, to be able to to do this work and, and enjoy it and stick with us. Well said, Steph. And I have to just say, I know that Seacole is a um, is a sister company to MD Group, but I really truly believe that that having you as the director of that organization, having this deep awareness from being a nurse yourself and being bedside and participating in research is such an advantage because you can make sure that you are setting up your nurses for success in a way that you truly know is possible with their full beings in mind. Um, so, you know, it just does definitely fosters a culture of um, a culture of, of nursing that I'm very proud of. So thank you for all the contributions that you make. We're again, like I said, we're very lucky to have you as part of, of the Sequel Health team. Steph, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's been a great, um, a great conversation, and um, I appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us. Um, where can people learn more about Sequel Health? Thank you. So Sequel Health has a website, sequelhealth.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, and anybody who's interested in getting more information directly is welcome to email our team at info at Wonderful. And everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed our conversation today. And if you have, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Um, Doing so definitely helps other people like you who are committed to driving industry change find us. For more content around key issues in the clinical research industry, please follow us on social media at MD Group International on Twitter. Find us on LinkedIn by searching MD Group. 
or visit our blog at mdgroup.com. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, be well.